Hi there, and welcome to this next episode of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. And my name is Gary Turner, your host. And today I'm really grateful to welcome and to introduce to you Colin Smith, who is affectionately known as The Listener and comes from Dexterity Solutions Limited. So Colin and I have known each other the last 12 to 18 months, and I've really enjoyed getting to know him and his work, which has some um, alignment to the likes of Nancy Klein's thinking environment work, but he has his very own take on listening and it's important to us as individuals and at work. He talks in detail around the difference between the more reactive and passive hearing and the more active listening. Now I'd ask you to think now how often do you deeply and actively listen comparing to just reacting and hearing? Really interesting reflection for us all. He also speaks about psychological safety and the importance of that to create an environment of active listening. I was really grateful to welcome Amy Edmondson from the Harvard Business School onto episode 29 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. If you want to hear more about psychological safety in more detail, please do go check that episode out. And also, I thought it was really interesting to hear Colin talking about we have learning to listen. So, of course, there is this difference between hearing and active listening. But to, to learn means we have to be proactive. We have to be intentional a word that Colin references a couple of times about listening more effectively. Just imagine, just try and reflect yourself on opportunities that you may have had recently, or indeed opportunities that are coming up, that could create that space, that space for you to stop, get present, and to truly listen to the other person rather than just hear them. How many roadblocks could you get rid of in advance? How much opportunity and innovation could you unlock with your peers and indeed within yourself by just creating the space to stop get present and be more intentional around active listening i got so much out of this conversation i'm sure that you will too so please do dive in and uh, please do also offer feedback to colin and or myself we're always grateful for any feedback to help improve the podcast and indeed to help our ability to improve so all the best for now Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. This afternoon, I'm really grateful to welcome Colin Smith, who is affectionately known as the listener, and he's also the owner of Dexterity Solutions. So hi there, Colin. Hi there, Gary. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you today? Yeah, excellent. Thank you. And uh, yeah, as we've said, looking forward to uh, where this may take us. Brilliant. Well, look, um, for anyone that's listening to us today, so you and I have known each other now, probably the last 12, 18 months, um, met as so many of us do over social media, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. I just think it's really fascinating to share with the listeners, actually. You mentioned we had quite a fascinating first lunch, didn't we, which was a very intuitive conversation, which I think this may be as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, I'm, I think we both came at it to be fully present with each other and with little or no agenda. So little preparation other than, oh, I wonder who he is and what he looks like, so I'll recognize him. <laughs> and just, I think what happened was we both gave each other the chance to think and the chance to speak. Yeah. And therefore we were both being heard and at different times, as I recall, it was almost like we were firing off each other. So holding the, for each other and firing off that and the energy was palpable 
but yeah. also I became unaware, you only notice it afterwards, of what was going on around us. And yet it was quite a busy thoroughfare that we were sitting in. No, it's wonderful. I complete, completely agree with that. And I think it's um, probably the closest thing to flow. You know, everyone sort of read, read any of the work of flow. You know, it really was that experience. So, so yes, yeah, so thank you for that. As we get going, could you give the listeners a bit more of a background? So who are you, Colin? You know, what is your background and what are you passionate about? It would be really helpful. Okay. Um, in a slightly cliched way, I, I describe my, my business career. And for those who can't see me, I have a lot of grey hair um, or that is receding as well. And it's in, I see my career in two parts. The first was in IT. So I started in IT when, uh, I think when computers were huge computers in uh, very big rooms. And it was about how computers work and how they connect. Mm -hmm. And being made redundant at the time wasn't the finest thing to happen, but actually in hindsight turned out to be the best thing that happened to me. I ended up with a consultancy. And from then it was about working, understanding how people work and how people connect. And the journey, and I do describe my life as a journey, um, took me to a lot of places, including um, uh, the, the working with what I call positive deviance, which always makes people smile, um, having what I would term disruptive dialogue, and finally arriving at the idea of the listener. And the idea of the listener is someone who's there to help so enable people to feel heard and to feel they're valued and that they and their words matter. Secondly, it's to enable them to, I change it slightly, to hear themselves think. So it aligns a little with uh, the, the whole time to think philosophy, but it's very much one of my presence enables people to relax. They can feel it's a safe place to open up and explore. And in doing so, they hear themselves. And then the third area, uh, which I, I highlight under the area of thrive, is about learning to listen. Most people find, they say, well, actually, I'm, I'm a very good listener. But in fact, they're actually a very, they're very good at hearing, which is very different. And when they understand the difference, then they go, ah, hang on a minute. How do I learn to listen better? Because listening is active. Hearing is passive. And that's the heart of my business. And I work with uh, individuals and teams. So I'm running workshops, I'm running coaching sessions with them. And people see me also as a confidant, that here's someone that I can bring in, trust, share my stuff, and know that I'm gonna be heard, and that uh, I'll be able to reflect on that. And through the sort of way I, the way I am, the questions I might ask of them, more often than that, they find find the answers themselves, which is again, a little bit aligned to the whole time to think uh, philosophy. And the final piece, piece I would say on time to think is I bought the book when it came out because someone recommended it. When I eventually came, somebody else said to me, you should read this book. I said, I've got it. And then I found that I'd got rid of it. As in, why would I want to know a book about thinking? And it has uh, transformed me in terms of the way I, uh, the way I work as well. And so that's my business side. Um, from a personal level, I love meeting people, spending time with them, really getting to know them and to engage on a very deep level. And I think that's what we found very quickly, both in the original Skype call we had and also then lunch. It just went deep straight away. 
and the people I, I spend time with, that's, that's the way I work. So yeah, a little bit about me. Um, so the question, what am I passionate about is listening. How can we make, I think listening is fundamental to changing the way uh, we build relationships, be that in the personal and, and in business. I think it has the potential to reduce the amount of addiction that we experience, the amount of uh, divorce, the amount of mental health that, that's around at the moment. Because so many of them, I feel I connected to not being heard, not being valued, and that classic phrase of not being enough. And the society doesn't almost perpetuates that scenario rather than support and uh, change it. And listening is pushing back, pushing that back. I just so, quick insight. It's, it's, it's beautiful though because everything you've just described there is sort of counter you know, without trying to get too political or too anti-capitalist. Mm -hmm. you know, I work in the capitalist system, but fundamentally yep. it's sort of everything you've just described in that wonderful introduction is totally counter to what we've been brought up on through the education yeah. system, in the world of work. It's really, really interesting, isn't it? We, we value he, who, he or she who talks loudest and longest. And my sense is more and more people are seeing that we've got things upside down. We value what doesn't matter, and we don't value what does. And the more we can shift that, um, the more we can shift that, the better, I think. And that's where um, the work I'm doing fits. And I think also the work you're doing as well. It's really interesting. So if you, if you look at that sort of passion that you have for trying to help you know, individuals, organizations listen better, is that something that's come is that something that's always been with you? Is it something that sort of evolved within you as you grew up, Colin? Can you, can you sort of go back to where maybe that sort of nugget suddenly shifted in you? You went, ah, oh, listening is beautiful. I think the, it's a little bit like, and I mean, you've, you're, you've been in a, you are in a sales role and uh, I got into a sales role when actually, this is going back into the late 70s, early 80s, when in fact, I think I should have been in a customer service role. I, I didn't realize it then that, relationships are what was, was what I was about. In those days, selling was about ha uh, things like the, the puppy dog clothes, the, um, what is it? Would you, can, can, have, you, have you got time on Thursday at four or Friday at five? Alternative clothes, those sorts of things, when actually I was more interested in building relationships. So I wasn't perhaps as successful as I would have been if I was in that sales job today, when more and more people are recognizing the value of building a relationship first. And I think it evolved, as I said, mentioned some of the things when I set up Dexterity Solutions, which was about connecting people to make a difference. It got into the idea of positive deviance and disruptive dialogue. How do you have a disruptive dialogue with someone where there's no agenda, there's no perceived outcome, and it could last between an hour and a half and three hours. And by the way, you'll pay me for it. So, a little bit in advance uh, ahead of my time, I think. So it's been there, but I've never noticed. And it was lunch with someone about four years ago, and we came up with the idea of the listener. And originally it was the listening coach. And I said, no, I don't like that because it feels like fixing. 
And this isn't about fixing. This is about hearing. It's about listening. And uh, yeah, and you know, the more I see organisations, the more I think they're crying out for this, but they don't realise it yet. It's really interesting for me, just listening to you talk, is this, it's like you, you've, you've become awoken to this innate quality, this skill of listening that you've always had within you, but you've suddenly, you found it, or we've found it again and gone, ah, yeah. that's really helpful. It's always been there, but we've layered it up with, you know, excessive thinking or fear or worry or anguish. That's certainly what I did with my mental health challenge. Yeah. I knew that a couple of years ago. You know, is that something that resonates with you or? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And it was, and I, I do give credit to um, a guy from, I forget his name now, but it will come back. Um, and when I showed him what I was doing in the area of listening, he said, you ought to read the Nancy Klein book. And that, it was like, this is it. This is what I've, the way I've got to go. Now I've, I use some of that, but there's also my own, um, my own ways that, that go with it. But, um, and it also draws on some of the work of the, uh, the, the FBI hostage negotiation people, you know, in terms of the way they work, because this is about life or death for them. Um, but it's about building that journey. And how do you get people to trust you? Um, and so, you know, I, I also use it with, um, if, you, if you take two organizations that are about to merge, usually what happens, the last thing that gets considered is the people. So how do we take people on that journey with us? And if we do all of the, uh, the bit up front, and then we say, well, we've done all the, the bit which tells you what we're going to do, and now will you follow us? Don't be surprised if they get uncomfortable and worried by what's going on. So how do we take them on a journey with us where we actually talk to them, we engage with them, we ask them and talk to them? Because people say, organizations say people are in most important asset, and yet they don't behave that way. And if you do, then when they feel safe, and there's a lot of work being done around psychological safety, and they feel they can trust you, they'll listen to you. They'll be more willing to be influenced by you. We know with children, if you listen to children first, they'll listen to you. If you see it in relationships, in dating, um, ind uh, individuals and uh, being slightly stereotypical, but the, the guy is very interested, lots of chat with the girl until eventually they're out for dinner. And at the end of the dinner, he expects that she's going to come back to his place. And she jumps back and says, no, whoa, hang on a minute. I don't feel, she doesn't say these words, but she's not feeling safe. Had he then taken the time with the intention that I don't really mind how long this goes because I'm interested in you. Who's to say three, four, five, six dinners, dates later, she's more interested in inviting him back. And so the same, for me, the same things are true, whether it's personal, whether it's business, same with customers, same with suppliers. How do we, if we treat our people poorly, don't expect them to treat our customers well. It's really interesting. What's coming up for me already is so that safety part is such. So 
go if I wind back a step. So on episode 29 of this podcast, I was very grateful yep. to welcome Amy Edmondson. Yes. Business School onto the podcast to talk about psychological safety. And when we were speaking, and you've just actually put another wonderful little link in the chain for me, is the safety element is critical to everything. Like Agreed. For the future of work, for the ability to collaborate, to connect. We've got more and more remote working. We've got us, you know, mental health stats going through the roof because people don't feel yep. they belong, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the importance of that safety is critical. But what I haven't always linked, although I'm obviously working on my own projects called the listening organization, I hadn't yep. necessarily linked the importance of listening to the safety element. And I think if you put those two as almost like a foundation stone at the bottom of everything else you do, that's a really, really powerful bedrock, isn't it? Safety listening equals anything can happen. Yeah. That's wonderful. What, what more is going on for you now with that in mind? Well, what's going on for me more now is so if I think about the other modules I was looking at, like curiosity, trust, you know, all these other areas, I think listening for sure has always been a foundational element of that. But I guess I just hadn't, it's that safety plus listening link, you know, the ability okay. to be present, to genuinely stop, but to make it safe enough that someone feels they can stop to gather their thoughts, to consider their reply, to offer their insight and their view. Because the two things are, they're almost not, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. You know, they're so beautifully entwined. Yeah. And if, you, if you create the environment to allow both of those, listening and safety to thrive together. I wrote an article last week called Exponential Human Contrib uh, Contribution. But okay. this just magnified that even more for me. Because you can't, if you're not listening and safe, you can't trust. If you're not listening and safe, you can't be curious. If you're not listening and safe, you know, you can't be as effective on inclusion. So I really yeah. see actually those two things are together. You know, you can be trusting and not be safe. And that doesn't allow the other things to work. But if you've got safety and listening, as in like your absolute foundation stone, that for me creates the platform to allow yeah. everything else to thrive. That's what's going on for me right now. What about Lovely. you? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, it, it frames nicely the, what, what I referred to as the relationship journey. And there's, there's a number of steps in it, but it, the, the starting points are in the area of, first of all, preparing myself. So how do I still myself, quieten myself down so that I can see you? And in doing that, I also have quietened myself down to enable me to be seen, right? So both of us are doing that. So for me, it starts with uh, curiosity, as in if I show up and I'm not interested, not curious, nothing's really gonna happen. And from that is where the, the active listening. So I'm showing an interest in you, in terms of your hobbies, your what's going on for your work. And I demonstrate that by lots of different things like repeating back what you've said some of it in a paraphrase asking you questions about it when you turn it back on me and say um, i've talked I'm, I'm talking too much uh, what about this i don't sort of deny you the question but i ask you another question and most people are really happy with that and it's but what 
and then it, then it evolves through that. So you start to build the, the empathy and the rapport. Mm -hmm. And the rapport is one where it's, it's the person you're talking to feels like that you get where they're coming from. And they say, well, they will say things like, you've got it, or that's right. But what's going on for me also is two things on both sides, on different sides. On the one is intention. So what's my intention? So the reference we made earlier, is it about to get the girl into bed? Is it about to, uh, how can we get this merger through as quick as possible with the minimum of disruption, et cetera, et cetera. What's that intention that's going on? So every level of the journey, that intention has to be good because people feel what that intention is. I think if you're aware you, you sense it in a different way. If you're unaware, you sense it and you go, there's something about him or her I don't like that doesn't feel right. And therefore, you're less likely, or almost certainly, will not be influenced by them. On the other side is trust. And the more you spend time with them in that space with a good intention, the trust rises. And I think it's when you get past rapport, you get into that safe space. And what can happen is, and uh, a guy, I think you, have you interviewed a booty shabby? I can't remember. No. 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 Very, very interesting man. And one just, I, whenever I see that he's advertised some, I'll go and see him. He's like, that's how good he is for me. And he used the analogy of a trestle table and a wall. And you know, with a trestle table or a wallpapering table, you could put some things on it, but you wouldn't necessarily sit on it. Whereas a wall, you could push against the wall and it's not going to fall down. And he said that people test us all the time by seeing how strong, not physically strong, how emotionally, mentally strong you are. So if I start to share some things with you and you react to them, I know where it, where it, how far I can go, how far I can open up. So if I start to break down in front of you and you change the subject, you uh, get really uncomfortable about me sobbing, and you know, look, look perhaps um, oh, uh, is everything? Oh, look, perhaps we shouldn't do this. Perhaps we this is an, an Then I know how far to go. Mm -hmm. Whereas the more I open up, the more you value and and uh, appreciate my openness, my vulnerability, to use the, the work you're doing, then the more I will do that and the safer it becomes. I don't have to think about censoring what I'm thinking. I can just share it. Now, I know that was true with you when we met. Mm -hmm. Almost instantly, I felt we could do that. And it was that sort of lovely sort of flip-flop. And when you then when each of us would make suggestions about uh, a book or a, an event or something, it was like, the answer is yeah. Because we, we, we're in that space rather than, yeah, so, uh, so the reason he invited me to lunch was so that he could do all the chit chat and then he could say, um, I've got this event coming up, would you like to come? And by the way, it's 500 pounds a pop. Ah, that's what it was about got it now whereas done in the right way it's like 
oh my God, how can I get to that event? Do you, do you see the difference? And we see it all the time. You just see right through the chatter. Ah, that's what it was about. That was the intention. And you don't, therefore the trust isn't built. The connection's not made. The, the, the relationship will not necessarily survive. But if it does survive, it survives in a different way, which is fine. So that's, um, that's my, my take on the relationship journey. And for sure, a lot of what Nancy Klein brings in Time to Think fits in that listening space because it's non-judgmental, um, it's equality, it's about active listening and things like that. They're all important, but it's where it goes uh, after that and how it lines up nicely, I think, with psychological safety in there. That's wonderful. You know, Sorry about that. No, no, it's, it's brilliant. But I'm now wondering what that £500 ticket was I was trying to sell you. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was a lifetime membership of your organisation, if I remember rightly. <laughs> you can hear all my podcasts for free, I think you said. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a great description you, you give. Uh, what I'd like to do, actually, just come back to you. You, you touched on vulnerability, of course, is a big theme of this, of this um, podcast. If you were going to describe to a new client or maybe to a, you know, a family member that hadn't come across the term before, what would Colin's definition or description of vulnerability mean? What does it mean to you? For me, I, I know we've touched on this before, but it, it's, it, first of all, it's having the courage to share some things that either I've not shared before, uh, I've, they could be, what I say could be used, may be used against me. And the weird part for me is that people think that being vulnerable um, is gonna, if, I'm, if I tell people what's really going on for me, they will not like me. What's interesting is that it's the opposite of that is true. Vulnerability brings connection. So the more um, I can open up, and I, a good example, um, there's someone that I'm, I'm working closely with who's involved with mental health. And part of her, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, KPI, uh, sorry, key selling point is she shares her mental health story first. So she invites all the people that work with her to share their mental health story. We've all got them. We're either connected, had it, or know someone who is. So we've all got stories to tell. So we show up and we go, yeah, this is my story. And in doing so gives people permission to share their story. And when people share their story, it's extraordinary the quality of connection that, that comes from it. And it's counterintuitive. So for me, it would be to, to start to demonstrate the vulnerability. Um, you did when we first met and you shared um, some of your story. And actually it endears one to the other. It also gives permission for the other one to say, well, actually things are not so great for me either. I'm struggling in this area. It's like, ah, okay. And suddenly we're like, not quite, but brothers in arms, you know, we, with, it's, with the same family, we're in the same space together. And 
yeah, it's it's a good place. And it's what went to my, through my mind is almost the exact opposite of what goes on in, in, in Parliament, in politics. Yeah, it's all about creating the persona they think the public wants. And uh, yeah, there's no real connection for a lot of them, I think. But that's, that's another story. That's my, my, my first thoughts or my head, off the top of my head thoughts. No, no th thank you for sharing. I, I think I'd like to sort of reinforce your message actually, because as I have the last nine months, started to speak more openly about, you know, the fact I was bullied, you know, self-harmed at uni, all of these things. That, you know, at the end of the day, what's fascinating, how, it's, the, it's the identity that I tied to that as I grew up. You know, I didn't tell girlfriends at yes. the time, didn't tell parents. Yeah. And I think that's what so many people don't realise is that they actually tie who they are to those experiences rather than realising actually it was just an in-the-moment experience that doesn't have causal effects on you. It's actually yeah. what you tell yourself about that scenario yes. that has the agreed. And I just, for me, it's been such a powerful revelation the last nine months to be able to go. I mean, it's not like I'm going around because I'm trying to heal myself. I feel pretty good. But I find yeah. the more you talk about it, the more people do connect. And it's, it's been incredible. I spoke to someone today, Colin, in the car on the way back down here. And she wanted to come on and we do a podcast, have a conversation. Exactly as you described. I said, yeah, this is my story. This is why I'm doing the podcast. Yeah, it was bullied. Blah, blah, blah. I'm now talking about it. And she just completely opened up about you know being brought up in the you know under the iron curtain not being able yeah. to be your true self you know, you know it would take you years to have, to try and get to that level of depth if you do it the old i've got to wear my mask i've got to be pretend yeah. i'm someone that i'm not i've got to fit in within this culture you know but literally first phone call 20 minutes and this isn't about trying to trying to like bond with be your best buddy it's just yeah. sitting on a human level and saying look it's okay that's the difference it's that's okay the to difference. be you yeah, how we, how we connect at a human level, not at a transactional level. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so lovely. And I know from talking to you how transformational that has been for you. You know, and it's, it's, it's a joy to see. And the more people can do that, and also that it's okay for people to be vulnerable. And I mean, Brenny Brown talks about it very well, doesn't she? Which is the whole business of shame and guilt. Mm. You know, as in shame, I am bad, guilt, I've done bad. And, you know, we, we, we put this, this um, you know, this, this shame on ourselves for all the things. So when you talk about bullying, quite often that is, I've obviously done something wrong, which is why I'm being beaten up. And we take it on. I'm a bad, I must be a bad person. And that's uh, typically obviously an abuse in, in relationships, very similar. And I, I can't go because I'm, I'm the bad person, which is when they come out of it, they go, what on earth was I talking about? <laughs> you know? So, so, so powerful, Colin. Just in terms of the work you're doing, whether it be sort of with private clients or organizations, what are the, you know, what's the appetite like for listening working with you right now is there a, do you feel that there's a level of consciousness increasing around trying to be more human right now or not i think there's a overall i would say yes there is um but i'm also conscious that we can get caught up in our own thinking and the way uh we we notice things that are like like what we we see things that are like us we 
the the algorithms social media keep giving us the same sort of thing so we we think that well everyone must be doing it but somebody said to me uh, only this morning his sense was that organizations institutions as uh, market sectors are all having to look clearly or sorry look at how they need to change to adapt to the new environment that we're working in and he also said that there's no point in having a destination because we're not going to ever get to the destination things are changing too quickly it's all about the journey and when you start to go down some of those roads then you have to take into account the human because if you don't people aren't going to stay with you and that's i think they talk a lot about the millennials and for their there's the, some of the things that come out from that is that actually they're, they're looking for more human connection we're all looking for it and i think that it's fundamental to us all we, we all want that connection we all want to be loved we all want to be heard and I think as the message gets wider and wider and louder and louder, people are starting to say enough is enough. And I think we see evidence of that in society. You know, um, that something is not right. For example, how can you, how can it be right to tear down tents in Cardiff city centre? Now, I'm not saying they, it's, that's not the answer. What are we doing? Why aren't we solving the problem? As someone said to me this morning, why don't we go upstream and find out who's throwing the people in the river rather than trying to keep throwing, um, uh, what do you call them? Um, uh, the, like life rafts. Or life rafts or yeah. life, life thing into the water went downstream. Great point. So, yeah. So, you know, we understand that situation, but what's, what's causing that earlier and earlier and earlier in, the, in, the, uh, in society? Because we all would like to solve it, but it's it's, it's not. There's, what's, there's no one answer I accept. But yeah. Um, so, having said that, I think the challenge is that for me, at a personal level, with listening, is that most people believe they listen, when in fact they don't. They are very good at hearing. They're not very good at listening. And then I get the question: Well, isn't listening and hearing the same thing? And I say no. And then I explain the difference. And they go, oh, <laughs> and therefore I can then explain more about why listening is so important and why we, they don't do it. Then they get it. Then they're, they're more interested because they can see the difference it will make at home, the difference it will make in the workplace. And I've had two people, I wouldn't I say two people, I had people sitting opposite each other who are in a relationship that have never listened to each other and during the workshop, I get them to listen to each other and they're in tears. Yeah, and one chap said to me afterwards, he said, I've already phoned my wife and apologized to her for not listening well enough. And we've got a six year old. I don't know, but that might be the, the moment where their relationship changes. That's, that's, that's just, just so powerful. Is there any way with, you know, is there any way in sort of maybe sort of 90 seconds or two minutes you could give the listeners that maybe are now going, oh my God, actually, what is the difference between listening and hearing? Have you got a little, a little Yeah. Um, okay, very quickly, if you take hearing, hearing is passive. So if you and I are in the middle of a restaurant, very busy, very noisy, and someone calls out your name, Gary, you'll hear it. 
irrespective of what's going on, you'll hear it, right? Because it's about a safety. They say it's one of the reasons we don't sleep very well in a bed on the first night, because we're, we're hearing all these new noises. So it's, so it's something that happens without any intervention. Listening, on the other hand, is, is active. You have to intend to listen. So I have to intend to listen. Um, so when I, I use an example with a, a piece of music and I, get, I play it four times and I separate, I ask them to listen to the music, first of all, listen to the, the guitar, then listen to the piano and the, the vocalist, and then listen to it again properly. And I've been accused of changing the music <laughs> because, yeah, and one of, it just said, hang on a minute, I think that last piece was different. No, it wasn't. You're now listening to it as opposed to hearing it. So the, the, the way I describe it is we hear from, we listen to. That's, yeah. really, that's really helpful. And thank you for that. I'm, I know that's going to be helpful for the, for the people listening to this podcast. And I'm even, I'm even sitting here now myself thinking the music I think I'm listening to, I think I'm probably hearing more than I actually listen to, if I'm honest. Yeah. Which is interesting. Even just take, even just, I, I, you can do it with in the uh, walk in a park and just start to notice all the different sounds. You know, the people talking, walking past, the cars, the aircraft, the wind in the trees, birds singing. When you, st when you start to settle into it, you're stilling. And it's almost like this whole meditation bit. So in the, in the analogy is the water. So at the high level, it's very waves, lots of waves and choppy. So your mind is busy, busy, busy. And as you drop down to it and start to pay attention to all these different sounds, you're becoming stiller. And as you still, you can listen. But if you're choppy at the top, you can't hear anything. So when I use that example, I get people to listen to it. Their mind's everywhere. They're all, all sorts of things. So they're not really listening at all. They're just hearing some of this music. They're wondering what this is all about. They're not that interested. And then when you point it out, now listen to the, the singer and listen to the piano or the drums or whatever. And then they pay attention to that. And then the next they pay attention to that. So they get, start to get used to paying attention to something. When you pay attention, you hear it differently. So when you pay attention to the person in front of you, when you give them your full attention, which I believe is the greatest gift you can give someone. And someone said that the, the gift of attention is so close to love, most people will not know the difference. When you do that, you, you are listening to that person with all of your senses. You're present with them. So you've stilled yourself, settled, and now present with you. And that's why when you're doing it properly, you don't have to think about what you reply, because you're listening from your heart. So you engage in a heart to heart and you have this lovely flowing conversation. In all, on, in all likelihood, you will not remember what you spoke about because it comes from a different place. It's a little bit slightly cliched and a little bit black and white, but that's the essence that when you're fully in flow, it does, as you rightly say, flow. And I think we said at the time, it was like, do you realize the time? <laughs> you know, and I think that two hours went past. And we've been in 
times where in situations where 20 minutes is a lifetime. Yeah. Whereas we experienced something which was two hours and it, wow. And we also feel energized by it. Not drained. There's, you know, there's just so much in it. There's something I always come back to as well when we talk about, it, it, it's almost listening to yourself, I would say, the point I'm about to make, Colin, which is I always like to liken deep quality listening to the two minute silence we have every year at Remembrance Day. That two minutes expands and feels Love it ever. Absolutely yeah. feels like forever. Just because we've got still, we've got present, and we've just allowed our mind to expand for that couple of minutes. I honestly yeah. feel like we pack so much into those two minutes, and it happens every single year. Yet you can feel like, like you say, 20 minutes feels like it's the whole day's gone. Yeah. So for me, it's just something about that beautiful presence and just going, it's okay to stop. Is that something that resonates with you? That so does. And, and if you ever have that experience in a in a in you're actually in the ground with 20 30 40,000 other people in complete silence and everyone everyone's attention pretty much i would say is the reason we're having that 2 minutes we're thinking about those that gave their lives and that is just so powerful so powerful so yes it does very much resonate um there it's really interesting actually as you as you as i listen to you play that back back to your earlier point in our conversation it is around that human connection again because ultimately at that point in time we are all literally connected we're thinking about the same thing we're, we believe yes that we are literally for those two minutes all connected and maybe that's why i don't know maybe where that, that's where that expansiveness comes from because we are feeding off of everyone in those two moments, yes, giving themselves permission to just stop at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. I really do. I think it's that that shared shared consciousness. Mm. Wow. Because there is something very special about those two minutes. There's always the odd one. No, I say often. In a number of occasions, there's always the odd one who who isn't that interested. But in the main you would say that everyone is just drops into that space and just really, yeah. You know, we stand up, we, we're, we're tall, we're quiet, we're present with it. And it's just beautiful. For, you know, it moves from that, all that noise and all that waves, you know, jumping around to that quiet peace and stillness of what, what can and what can come from that? I just just wonder if there's a challenge for us all listening to this podcast now. And I try to do this more often that I don't always succeed. There's just something for me around. Could you imagine if there was a two-minute silence for every hour during the workday? And it was agreed. Zero 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 to zero 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 two. There's two yeah. minutes where the whole organization stops, gets present, no matter where you are, just sit in your desk, sit outside, do whatever but we will all at that point be, be silent for two minutes. I'm pretty sure there'd be an innovation like nobody's ever seen before come out of those two minutes. Well, well the, uh, the Brahma Kumaris, I tell the story of them at uh, their center in Oxford. And there was a small village school that had a nasty fire and they lost two of their big classrooms. And because they were close to the Brahma Kumaris, the Brahma Kumaris said, you can use our 
our rooms while these are being you know, rebuilt. Uh, the only thing you need to know is that we have, as you rightly asked, said about on the hour, every hour, one minute silence. Oh, wow. Sorry, they play music, sorry. They play this music and everyone in the building stops. Oh, wow. And they just focus. They use something, they call it, I think it's called Raga Yoga, which is about where their eyes are open. They just focus on something for one minute. And then when the minute's up, the music stops. Every single room in there, and this happens around the world as well. And that's what the children experienced. And when they came back to the school, they asked for that to continue. So you're absolutely right. There's something uh, about it. Um, there, is a, there is an app that does every, you can program how you want, but I've used it before. And what I've noticed is that when this comes on, I suddenly realize my shoulders are up here. They're hunched. So for that one, it's like, ah, oh, just stop. They use, at the Brahma Kumaras use the first minute of a meeting in silence for that reason, to bring everyone, to still everyone. And they use it at the end. And anyone can call a timeout and just have one more minute. So if things are getting a bit heated, let's just have one minute silence. And then we reconvene. Things change for everyone in that one minute. It's a beautiful um, way. And what's it cost you in a day? Eight, eight minutes? And I bet there's eight more minutes of productivity. I'm pretty sure it'll be an exponential impact. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Do you know something? As I, as I look at our clock, which unfortunately we do have to look at, I'd like to yes. make a proposal. Should we be brave? Should you and I be silent for the next 60 seconds before we wrap up? And just let people know what it feels like for the next 60 seconds. I like that. You call it. Like it. Okay. Three, two, one. There we are, Colin. That felt like longer to me than a minute. <laughs> so, 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 sorry for the yeah. listeners. A bit unusual, but I felt it, it felt an intuitive, yeah. good thing to sort of test. Yeah. And what, so what I noticed was just a settling for me. So, so I noticed my, almost my attention going from my head to my chest, 
to my to my belly and a, and a sense of, of just quietness and and being and yeah what about you what was what really what happened it's really funny actually so i think i spend the first 20 seconds you can feel the thoughts bouncing around and then yes. suddenly they just dissolve yeah and then you just then all of a sudden yeah it just just goes into expanse but it did yeah. take 20 seconds of thoughts bang 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 bang, bang then just Brilliant. The, uh, the, the guy I listened to quite a lot, a guy called Adi Shanta, um, he's, he's a meditator. And one of the first things he talks about in, in meditation, the first commitment, is to be still in the body. Because stillness in the body enables the mind to quiet and to drop. So you're not at the mercy of the mind to move you every time it wants to. The commitment, first of all, is to be still. And as I've practiced that more, it feels exactly what he says. I noticed that I, so what I did then, I went straight into that, that space and just remained perfectly still. And I noticed it just, it just dropped. So it's wow. awesome. It's just awesome stuff. Well, look, I could talk yeah. to you all day as always. Is, yes. 45 minutes gone um, in, in a very good way. So how can people reach you, Colin? If people want to follow up the conversation or learn a bit more about you, offline what's the best way people can find you um the website is uh, www.dexteritysolutions.co.uk um that's d-e-x-t-e-r-i-t-y and then solutions all one word .co.uk um i'm on uh, linkedin uh, you can find me under you can probably look under the listener and find me um and i've got uh, there's a blog post blog blog site on my uh, website as well that's probably the best. Um, and on the uh, website, there's also, I'm pretty sure the website, there's a telephone number. And if you want to connect, I'll be happy to speak or answer or however. This is so important. So important to me. And uh, yeah, happy to, to, happy to talk, but actually really happy to listen. Wonderful. We've been an absolute joy again, Colin. So thanks so much for joining me. I'll make sure those details are on the show notes and uh, I look forward to seeing you next month. All the best Indeed. for that. And, and thank you also for your ability to listen and to give me the space to actually share my stuff. I didn't feel at any time you were trying to interrupt me or trying to take the conversation somewhere else. It just enabled me to flow. And there was a quietness and a calmness that I thought, oh, I can continue to talk, which was lovely. So thank you so much. Lovely really time. appreciate it. Really appreciate the feedback. Right. Indeed. I'll see you soon. Take okay. care, my friend. Bye. Cheers, Colin. Hi, it's just your podcast host, Gary Turner here, just finishing up this amazing podcast with Colin Smith. Got a number of key takeaways I wanted to share with you, but a couple of them are more on a macroeconomic or societal basis. The first one being that people are waking up, the consciousness is raising and starting to see that we've valued the things the wrong way around for too long now. Historically, we've valued what doesn't matter and don't value what does. This really makes me think back to a previous conversation I had with Scott Santons, who's a big advocate of universal basic income, which was back on episode 17. And this also links a little bit with Piers Thurston, who was, for me, back in episode three, where he spoke about the quality of mind. These things really do come together for me, because what we're, what we're talking about here is how do we project out? 
how do we actually shift what matters to us and what we value? We can only do that by shifting how we think about things from the inside out. The outside world will never give us a reason to feel a certain way on the inside. And I think this message from Colin really points towards that. Also, another macroeconomic comment was around organizations, institutions and market sectors are all now having to look at how they need to change to adapt. And what I really, really liked was when Colin spoke about there's no point having a destination. Back in the Industrial Revolution, when the output was a widget or a car or some other very clear, definable outcome, people were able to get, get rid of the humanity in the workplace. People conformed far more easily. Whereas today, it's all about the journey. People don't know where they're going to be in not even one or two years' time, potentially even in a week or a month's time. And this also points back a little bit for me to around how mind, conscious and thought shows up in that we are in the moment human beings. And I think that this, this trend towards more decentralization, more connectivity as a human race is actually going to help us get back to our innate well-being and resourcefulness that every single one of us actually has. And I think for me, and I took away anyway, this particular message from, uh, from, from Colin's reflection there. I also really enjoyed hearing Colin talk about what vulnerability means for him. And what he spoke about was that vulnerability brings connection. It gives permission to others to open up more, i.e. by us going first, having the courage to be vulnerable actually means that other people will show up and be vulnerable with us too. And he gave that example of he and I meeting um, when we did for the first time a few months ago. And the final thing I just want to share with you that, that really resonated with me was he spoke about two sides um, of effective listening, one being around intention. So what's the intention that's going on? Um, you know, at every level of the journey, the intention needs to be good, according to Colin, which, which really makes sense to me. And on the other side, he spoke about trust. So the more time you spend with people who have a good intention, the quicker you get past rapport and you get into that safe space that we spoke about where we reference psychological safety from Amy Edmondson. So if we've got positive intentions that help that will then allow us to build more effective trust and that allows us to get past just rapport and into more meaningful relationships that all, can all operate within that safe space. So quite a lot going on here for me and pulling together a number of strands, not only of my own thinking, but of, yeah, of key human centered traits that I see evolving um, both on an individual level and at a um, societal and business level. So really interested to know if those reflections resonate with you. Please do challenge me, do challenge Colin, or indeed let us know what uh, has been a value for you from this particular podcast. As always, we, we value any feedback you can offer. If you could offer some feedback, uh, ideally five stars if you enjoyed it. If you haven't liked it, do let me know otherwise um, on the podcast app on iTunes. That would be great. And in the meantime, I look forward to sharing the next episode with you when it comes along. Have a great day and take care for now.